0: It is the 200 level, my carpenter in the basement studio on a windy but warm Wednesday evening. And sadly, gotta start with this. I have looked so forward to going to the spring game, setting up a tailgate, meeting some of y'all as you were heading in as well, but unfortunately, the timing just does not work out. They moved the game from Thursday to Friday, understandably, because there's a really good chance of storms tomorrow night, and... Even without that, the wind would have made it really kind of a pain in the neck to be in there. So Friday, the weather doesn't look too bad. It might be a little bit cooler, but it'll still be about 55 for the Friday evening scrimmage. Open scrimmage is what they call it now. So unfortunately, the big, ah, man, I had the 200-level flag. I had all the stuff ready to go for the tailgate supplies. And I'm just going to have to wait until the game against, what, Toledo in September, which sucks. I was really looking forward to that, uh, but that will have to wait. So we will get to football later. We still have some stuff to talk about with that, and we're in that fun phase right now where we're just kind of spitballing and talking about what might this team look like, You know, what do you need from the quarterback position, all these what-ifs, but you also have a lot of answers, which is an advantageous position to be in as an WANI fan going into Brett Bielema's third year. I will get to Brett Bielema in a bit. I was fortunate enough to meet him last week, and uh, it has been a while. Since we've done a podcast, I've been busy with uh, grad school, busy with regular school, and also dog-sitting this week. Well, not dog-sitting, but being the only one in the house, Kara was able to go back home and see her family in Michigan for a week. So it's been me and the dog, and band stuff, and all these other things. So it's not putting the podcast on the back burner, so to speak, as much as it is waiting for things to talk about, and it has been a pretty quiet week as far as news for Illinois, apart from a couple transfers out, or I should say one transfer out and one name going into the NBA draft. Before I get to all of that, I wanted to start with what happened last Tuesday, and Karen and I were lucky enough to go to the Coaches versus Cancer event up at Gordyville. Now, I'd never been. I regret not going last year when Bill Self was there. But when we found out that Tom Izzo was going to be there, it was kind of a no-brainer. So we ended up going. And I say that because Kara's a Michigan State alum. And even for me, Tom Izzo, that's pretty cool. I mean, on the Mount Rushmore of active, and you could even say all-time college basketball coaches, you'd have to have that discussion about him being on it. So... We get up to Gordyville on Tuesday, and the doors are supposed to open at 5.30, but they already had the thing open basically at 5.15, so we just waltz in there. Very chill, uh, all the people extremely friendly, so the way this thing is run, I gotta say, expertly done. Uh, there, there is no hassle whatsoever, despite 1,500 people there, whatever the uh, number was. You had plenty of room to move around, easy getting food, easy getting drinks, just super convenient. And the vibes are good, because everyone knows they're taking part of something good, and and it's casual, and you got some people wearing cowboy boots. Everyone's basically wearing jeans. And uh, yeah, it just on, on, to, on top of that, basically a 75-degree day. It was during that really warm stretch that we had. So the vibes were great, and we walk in and decide to do just kind of a quick once-over of the place. And I had even asked her on the way up if you were to meet Tom Izzo, do you have something that you would say to him? And she kind of did. So I said, well, that's good. Just in case you do, it's always nice to have something ready because in that moment, you don't always know what you would say. I I met Bono, for example, back in 2017. And for me, it doesn't get much bigger than that. I'm a huge U2 fan. And it was a 10, 15 second interaction, but I had kind of in my mind knew what I was going to say if if that presented itself. And I just said, thanks for the music and I had a Joshua Tree LP and said, you know, this is the LP that my dad introduced to me when I was three, and it, this album has meant a lot to me. So I had something ready to go, she did too. And after we do a quick once over, and uh, I don't know if we had gotten a drink yet or not. We, we had gotten a drink, yeah. We spot my friend Ken, and he was up there with his dad, and he's easy to spot. He's got an orange and blue Hawaiian shirt, and just kind of like in a sitcom. Was, oh, hey, there's Ken. We go over there. He gives us a little wave, and he points over to his left, and he says, yeah, uh, good timing. You guys, uh, I just got a selfie with Tom Izzo. And we look over, and about 10 feet away, standing pretty much by himself, I mean, th- there was no rush of people, is Tom Izzo. Now, he does not cut a very daunting figure. This guy's maybe 5'9", right? He's shorter than both Kara and I. And just kind of an unassuming dude, wearing a untucked button-down and you know, just casual enough for an event like this, and he's kind of scoping out the scene, looking at this gigantic rodeo slash auction house and taking it all in. so I look at Kara and I'm like, well, should we do it? Yeah. Okay. So up we go. And Kara had decided to wear for this occasion. She did have a green Spartan strong shirt. And with everything that happened, what was this back in February, uh, the shootings that happened up at East Lansing, it, it hit close to home for her and another buddy of mine that went to Michigan state and, Izzo sees at least the green and he says, ah, you know, and he kind of says something like someone after my own heart. And he raises his hands to give both of us a high five. And we end up talking to him a little bit. This is probably two to three minutes that he's having a conversation with us. And he asks, "Okay, where'd you meet? Where are you from? And Kara told him that she's from Michigan. So we got into that. I wouldn't know I was an Illinois fan, and somehow Bill Self came up. I think it was because I mentioned the year before Self had been up there, and he said, yeah, man, I hope I hope Billy's doing all right. I mean, I know he will be, but we were all scared there for a little bit, and I told him the quick story about how Bill Self broke our hearts back in 2003, but he was gracious enough to give me an interview when I was a high schooler, uh, high school journalist at Urbana. So this two, three-minute interaction, you know, there's the old adage of never meet your heroes. And I'm not going to say that Tom Izzo was a hero, but he's certainly a legend. And to see how gracious and warm he was to Kara with her Michigan State shirt on, being an alum, the one thing she had ready to go and she said to him was, you know, I want to thank you for how you have represented uh, the Spartan community through the years. And, of course, that had increased resonance with what happened back in uh, what two three months ago and it was at that moment he actually gave her a hug and just a very warm interaction and you know you you have moments like that and even though i'm not a michigan state fan and we didn't ask for an autograph or anything we just wanted her to get a picture we just got one with her and him i didn't need one we were buzzing you know i was buzzing we got in uh, the dinner line immediately after which was a big mistake because we weren't hungry like you, When you're buzzing like that, you're just more focused on, did that just happen? And the ease with which it happened. So I can't recommend it enough. The event was super cool. If we wanted to meet any other coach up there, we could have. Uh, we didn't really have our sights set on that, except for Brett Bielema. And I was kind of going back and forth on this because there's the part of me that says, okay, you are talking about the team. You are a fan But you reserve the right to criticize these coaches, but not if you ask for pictures of them or with them. So I was I was towing this weird line and I know I've talked before about Robert and his relationship. Robert just posted a big podcast with Brett Bielema and it's a tricky line to balance. But what the hell? You know, I'm a big fan of Brett Bielema. I think that he's the guy. So I got a picture with him and uh, a cool interaction with him. He's uh, relatively short on words, but he was friendly. And you could kind of see him doing work, taking phone calls on the side of the Gordieville auction house. So overall, it's pretty cool to be in the vicinity of people that you see. I don't care who you are, to be in the vicinity of people that you see on TV all the time. You know, you're always going to be a little bit starstruck. And with the coaches that were there, I was most impressed, actually, with Fran McCaffrey. I thought that as dry as he appears sometimes, he actually came off as very affable and normal. So I think as I saw someone on Twitter say, you know, he's a jerk on the court, I think. And I would agree with that. But apparently very nice off of it. And him and his wife have been very active in coaches versus cancer. Fred Hoiberg, great dry sense of humor. Tom Izzo was Tom Izzo. Matt Payner was an open book and just went in on the transfer portal. And Brad Underwood was a good MC, so to speak. It was really, of course, Brian Barnhart and uh, Tim Sinclair were the MCs, but Brad Underwood did take more of a role of kind of facilitating and in- introducing people. And yeah, I would really recommend it. I think next year we'll try to do a 200 level table of some kind, some way, and we'll see because how do you top Bill Self the year before? Bill Self and Lon Kruger the year before and now four other Big Ten coaches. That's a pretty impressive haul from Underwood. So that was a week ago, and I would have talked about it earlier, and I know it's kind of old news, but wanted to start with that little anecdote and say sometimes it is okay, in fact, to meet your heroes, and uh, no disappointment whatsoever from Tom Izzo. In fact, it was an even cooler interaction than we could have hoped for. All right, so let's see here. Um, Before we get into spring football, And before we get into Transfer Portal Palooza, got to remind you that the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdo.com. These guys deliver anywhere in Champaign Urbana. So go online to dpdo.com. You can have a custom zone with any topping you want, or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone, delivered piping hot to your doorstep. That's dpdo.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, it's time to get that AC checked. It's been warm. It will only get warmer. So give them a call at 217 841 4728. That's 217 841 4728 to get that AC checked out. We got ours scheduled here for a few weeks. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Your uh, excuse me, your home's best friend. Frog in my throat. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hanson. I'm on it. Brian is my life, auto, home, business, renters. You name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. We are uh, working with Brian for homeowners and auto. It's been really easy for the two and a half years that we've been with them. Plan on staying with him for the long haul. And once you get started with Brian and the staff, you will understand why. That's Brian is my guy. Dot com Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate them and appreciate you all for listening. Uh, no video stream tonight. Went for a run, came back, um, had a snack and just popped down here. And okay, You know, if there's not a need sometimes to do video streams, it'll be a little bit more intermittent as we're in the proverbial off season. So the plan is, knowing the way the transfer portal will kind of string itself along here, we're just going to do podcast as news crops up. And that will continue into May, and there'll be a couple in June maybe, and a couple in July, and then we get back in earnest when football season starts off. But you know, if there's anything really newsworthy, we will be here for it, no matter when that might happen. And I want to start with spring football. And again, the unfortunate timing of this, but the storms on Thursday night, it makes sense. I, I could imagine a situation getting out to the lots, getting things set up, and then trying to batten down the hatches with the canopy and watching it fly away in 45-mile-per-hour wind gust. After the Michigan State game earlier this year, I am not in any mood for that. Because if you remember, that Michigan State game was not really cold. It was just extremely windy and annoying. But the game has moved to Friday, where the forecast looks much calmer, a little bit cooler, but good football weather. And if I were here, I'd totally go, but we're going to be up at a wedding rehearsal in Chicago. And... We will set plenty of 200-level tailgates. You will see the flag all fall long. I'm excited to get back to it. But as far as what we've learned or you know, what questions still remain as we exit spring football, let's start with the obvious questions that hopefully we get a few answers to or at least a gleaming of what the answers might be on Friday. That's quarterback play. And it really comes down to Luke Altmaier. If you were to tell me that Luke Altmaier can have a year of similar efficiency, or anywhere close to what Tommy DeVito did, I think we're going to be okay because what he lacks in completion percentage compared to DeVito, I'd like to think that the ceiling's a little bit higher as far as going downfield. And just by virtue of opening up the playbook a little bit more, feeling like you can stretch it to a Pat Bryant specifically, maybe that will um, offset the need for him to be like 70% on third down. Whatever ridiculous thing was DeVito was uh, during the 7-1 start, So Luke Altmaier is the story, but I think if you take a more macro approach, and this will be something we harp on a lot, it's going to be Barry Lunny. And I want to be careful and not fall into the trap that I kind of did with Kofi, thinking that, well, when Kofi leaves, this means the offense for Illinois basketball will open up. And a similar argument might be made that, well, when Chase Brown isn't here and he's not the focus of the offense getting 30 carries a game, maybe Barry Lunny will open it up. I do not want to discount the impact that a Chase Brown has. But I also do think there is a bit of a psychological thing. He's, he's a safety blanket of sorts, where you know that you're going to get something positive from him every time he touches the ball, so why not continue to feed him? It's the safest option. And that maybe there's something to be said about not always going with the safest option. So this year is really less about Luke Altmeyer and more about Barry Lunny. And you'd like to think that everybody else coming back on offense, taking that step, will help alleviate what Luke Altmeyer has to do and a little bit what the running backs will have to do. I, I think Reggie Love will be fine. Josh McCray, I can't count on. I, I just think that until I see he's not made of straw, I and that's not a slight, but just way too injury prone, I can't bank on any of that. And then you're looking at Jordan Anderson and uh, Aiden Lowry. Lowry? Why can't I say that name? Jesus. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> then you're looking at those guys as potential backs and i don't think fagan is going to be or fagan is going to be a guy that they can go to this early so that's kind of the question mark two of your most important positions quarterback and running back everything else you feel pretty good about and i just like to think and i don't know if this is really just reaching for straws here that that idea that you progress with an extra offseason of work will in fact be the case for this offense I don't think the offense needs to be that great, though. I, I think that overall, they can be as good as last year just by virtue of being year two with Lonnie. I think the defense has an opportunity to be statistically not all that different from last year. Scoring defense, top in the nation, probably not. But I think the way that this defense plays, and I'm, I'm really big on the Aaron Henry hype train. They posted a video of him in practice, mic'd up and watching him work specifically with the secondary guys, I don't think the secondary, the way that they play is going to be much different. You do lose, of course, a top 10 pick in Devin Witherspoon and two other draft picks in Sidney Brown and Quan Martin. That hurts. But I think with Taz Nicholson back there, a few returning guys, and then just an overall who's who of talented but unknown football players, you can piece that together on the strength of your front seven. And there's enough continuity to make me think, okay, you mix that with the fact that Brett Bielema is your coach. And again, we're now we're going a little bit less with, uh, you know, we're going a little more intangible quality, but I do think that the record of Brett Bielema in the Big Ten speaks for itself as well. I have faith that this staff knows what they're doing. I have faith that they actually are looking at the schedule and not thinking seven and five. They're thinking, how can we win the Big Ten? How can we have a better year than last year? While us fans, understandably, given the history of Illinois football, are just saying, make a bowl. It's kind of a nice position to be in. It only gets ugly if they don't make a bowl. And at 6-6, six and six, depending how they get there, you might be thinking, well, was there really any progress this year or did we take a, a major step back? I get the feeling this team is going to finish between seven and nine wins because the schedule kind of allows for that. And I think that some people are sleeping on the amount of returning talent or the returning players. Couple with the fact that you are still in the right division in the Big Ten, as long as this Big Ten West is intact. And it might just be one more year. You're looking at an Iowa team that, well, they can't be any worse on offense. And defensively, they did lose quite a bit. And yeah, I know they still got Norm Parker back there, or is it Phil Parker? Norm Parker back there. But they got some holes to fill. And and do you really count on them going 9-3, and three, per se? I, I don't. I don't think they're going to go 5-7, and because it's Iowa football, but... I think a similar record as last year. Okay, that gives you an opportunity if you can somehow get a win in Iowa City. There are a few games that could be the difference between just an okay year for Illinois and a big year, and at Iowa City is certainly one of them. Wisconsin, you get at home. October 21st, my birthday. 37th birthday, Wisconsin here for homecoming, and I actually think that's going to be a good matchup for Illinois. I think Wisconsin is just being picked second mostly because of the name. We need to consider the fact that Luke Fickle is going for the long play here. Yes, he did get some talent at quarterback, but he is switching up a lot in how Wisconsin does it. And these sort of wholesale systemic changes don't always come easy. So not saying this is going to be a Scott Frost situation. I think Luke Fickle probably will end up better than Scott Frost. But in year one, I don't know if it's going to look that smooth right away. I will take year three of a Brett Bielema with the system well in place over a year one of Luke Fickle inheriting a program that wasn't really brimming with superior talent. In fact, I think you would argue there are more NFL players on the Illinois defense than Wisconsin for sure. And then if you want to say the team as a whole, you're probably still on the right track. So to me, let Wisconsin be picked second in every publication. I'm not too worried about them. Minnesota is always the wild card without Tanner Morgan, at quarterback who was not a problem for Illinois and without uh, Ibrahim in the backfield. uh, How good will they be? Probably another seven and five year. That seems to be kind of the Glenn Mason thing going on for PJ Fleck and that game at Minnesota. Huge, right? The games at Iowa and Minnesota are gigantic. Purdue, not a threat, though. I will still be nervous when you play them. I think we all will be because of the narrative. Nebraska, you get at home. Northwestern, you get at home. All that to say, don't you think in that football performance center, they're thinking Big Ten West? Don't you think that with all the veterans on that team, they didn't come back here to go seven and five? And also, don't you think that with this coaching staff, they have the ability to learn lessons and come up with just those tweaks needed to win the close game specifically. Because, hey, if the game was 10 or 13 points, they were winning it last year. But if it was within a, a touchdown, that's work out a, a little bit tough. So you can take solace in the fact that every game, every loss was close, but then you can also say, damn it, why didn't you just close a few more of those out? It's nice to know that you can make smaller tweaks and still end up with a better season when you just went eight and five. And you know that you were probably better than the 8-5, and right? I don't know. I'm, I'm really high on this program right now. And I understand Illini fans taking caution and not getting too high on football because of history. But I don't think it's fair to project that history onto Brett Bielema when his Big Ten record would suggest, no, he's got this. You can look at his Arkansas record fairly and say that was inconsistent. It was. But you know what? There ain't no Alabama or Auburn in this division that Illinois is playing in, let alone Alabama and Auburn when they were at their peak. No, you're contending with the Iowas and Wisconsin's of the world. That's exactly where you want to be if you're Brett Bielema with this roster. And I don't know, man. I mean, to me, I love listening to him talk about football. I love the press conferences. There is a comfort that I have in him. That I don't have fully on the other side of Kirby Avenue. Because I really just think this is a guy that over the years has really mastered the art of coaching and the game itself. That sounds really hyperbolic and if you can roll your eyes if you want to with that. But when you hear him talk, it, it sounds like a guy that has thought through every conceivable scenario. And... I I take comfort in that because for far too long as an Illinois football fan, we've had coaches that (laughs) it ain't like that at all. So spring football wrapping up. It's all about the offense. Not worried about special teams. I think they bounce back. I think you got good kickers, and we'll see with the scholarship punter if he ends up grabbing that starting job. I'm not concerned with the defense. I know that you will give up a few more points in the secondary just by virtue of losing some studs. We'll give up a few more big plays, but I think that the system overall being the same will keep that defense top half of the Big Ten. So offense, what do you got? right? And in this Big Ten West, if you can just be serviceable, then I think you are on the right track. Luke Altmaier will be the one everyone's eyeing. Paddock is a backup. I I think that's an okay uh, guy to have as your number two. And then you get down into the Donovan Leary's and the, uh, oh shoot, who's the... uh, Kurt Show, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the guy's name. The the baseball transfer, or the former baseball player. Kirkland Misho, who looks the part, but is very, very green. And then you're going to get a, a few other, there's a guy they just brought on campus as well. See, this is why when you get to the nitty gritty, I do recommend Jeremy and Joey. This is, I mean, I do feel like when I talk about Illinois football, when you try to keep track of a roster of 85 guys, I tend to go macro, as you all know. So I am I really appreciate listening to those guys because it's a nice sort of, uh, how would you say, primer for all the names that I probably should be watching because a lot of the names I do talk about are names that are already kind of known commodities. So this spring, it's just been reassuring, though, to get reports out of camp that suggest that, hey, everyone kind of knows what their role is and this is familiar to the players and this is now kind of a firmly established culture and yeah i just i've never had this feeling with illinois football before even the zook era there was this wild rise in year three but you know just this not this feeling that the bottom was going to come out with ron zook i think i was certainly high on him but there were enough puzzling things in games and just his overall zookiness that made you occasionally think oh boy um well, you know, if he keeps recruiting studs, we'll probably be okay. No, there is a, a comfort in the way that Bielema is running this thing. And I, I just like that feeling. I like comfort. I like stability. And maybe, fingers crossed or knock on wood, whatever, you finally have that on the north side of Kirby Avenue. Now, to switch to the south side of Kirby Avenue, um, you know, this is, I, I want to get a general kind of thought out of the way. At the coaches versus cancer thing, in, in comparing and contrasting, and it, this is probably unfair of me to do, but what the hell. I'm just throwing things out there. Bielema and Underwood are similar in that they both project confidence. And that's something you kind of have to do when you get to that level. What I've mentioned before in the podcast, and I, I really feel this way, even after the coaches versus cancer thing, what Underwood can be really good at is the sales pitch. He's a salesman. He is, he's a charmer. He could, what, sell a ketchup popsicle to an old lady wearing white gloves on a summer day. He does have that gift of gab. And Bielema kind of does as well. But to me, I'm gravitating more towards Bielema's style because I don't think it's as performative. I see a little bit more of that with Brad Underwood, the performative aspect of it. And when R.J. Melendez transfers, and I know this is old news, but we haven't broached it yet. When R.J. Melendez transfers, I'm not really too concerned that R.J. Melendez, the player, is no longer going to be on the Illini. It was way too hot and cold. I was excited by the way he closed this <clears throat> this season. But if we would have went to next season, it's not as if I would have projected R.J. Melendez to be a 14-point-a-game guy with any certainty. I thought he would have been probably wildly inconsistent again. I don't think he's a guy that ever would have been able to flip the switch on consistently here. But I was having a conversation with Trevor and Isaac about this, and... My basic takeaway is this, uh, with the people that have transferred out, I am okay granting the mulligan with the transfer portal thing, because if you really think about it, there have been more good than bad things that have come to Illinois from the transfer portal. I I mean, if you look back, and maybe not just transfer portal, but the way that Brad Underwood has been able to acquire talent, dating back to Andres Feliz from Juco, Alfonso Plummer from Utah. He has shown the ability to identify guys to fill roles, and he is clearly going that direction with this class. And we're going to get to Domask and uh, Harmon in just a second, along with another name that's on campus right now. But with RJ, this was something that outwardly, it was very obvious that Brad Underwood was sticking with RJ, even though he stunk, for the better part of eight games. He stuck with him and it paid dividends. RJ started to play really well. He helped you win that Michigan game, helped you win that Northwestern game. He started play good defense. He was taking it to the rim and dunking it. The things that got you excited about RJ, you were starting to see again, and then he transfers. Now, if you have a reaction that says, well, what the hell, kid? This coach gave you every chance in the world, and then you're bailing on him? That's not an unjustifiable reaction. In fact, I think it's okay to think, what are you doing, kid? As he goes to Georgia, which is kind of a no-name program, less pressure, and maybe that's what he wants. But of course, you know, that's how the transfer portal is, I suggest. I mean, it's ruthless. It's cutthroat. My bigger question is, after what we saw outwardly, was there something going on inside where RJ said, yeah, I know coach supported me, but I just can't do this anymore. Now, it could be where his family said, RJ, you need to go somewhere else to really maximize your talents. Maybe RJ thinks that himself. But maybe, and I I really just wish Illini fans wouldn't discount this completely, Maybe there are certain aspects of the way this program is being run that turn some people off. And you'd say, well, don't they know what they're signing up for? Mm. I think they have an idea what they're signing up for, but that doesn't mean that when you get into the, the muck of it and all the practices and just the grind of a season that certain personality traits will eventually wear you down to a nub. We've all been in work situations where our supervisor, hey, it's, it looks all good at first. Yeah, I can work for this person. And then it just grinds you down. Leadership is important. And if you don't jive with that leadership style, then you are really going to be miserable. So I'm just wondering, what is the disconnect here? R.J. Melendez, three-star kid out of Florida. And could have won a few other places. Decides to come to Illinois. And certainly we had kind of picked things up here at Illinois by that point. So he was not committing to a lowly program. But there was clearly something he saw that he liked in Underwood. So what changed? Did RJ change? Did he just simply want to take advantage of the portal and go someplace where he would have more of a a feature role that he might not be guaranteed here? There are many explanations. I just don't want to discount the fact that with all the, the exodus of Brad Underwood's own recruits, that's the thing. That's the thing. Guys that he recruited in high school got to know them and their families, and they said, see ya. Now, I fully admit, this transfer portal is just kind of ridiculous. Can we, can we start with Adam Miller? Can we? Arizona State, his third school in four years. And he had a tweet, and it was so pathetic. Uh, this is the last time you're going to find Ace in the portal, I promise. Okay, kid. <laughs> I say kid, he's 21 or 22 now. Um, let's call it what it is. What a waste. What an absolute waste. And and anyone that would say, well, Carp, you don't know, listen, I'm, I'm 36, he's 21, he's making money, he could handle a little bit of criticism, maybe, I don't know. Maybe he and his mom, who apparently is a bit of a diva herself, they can handle a little bit of criticism, okay? Kid, you could have built a legacy. And I don't know if legacy matters to him. He thinks he's building a legacy, but ultimately he's going to be a fairly forgotten name for Illinois fans, LSU fans, and pretty soon Arizona State fans. Three fan bases that will look back and say, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, Adam Miller, okay. Whereas you were Mr. Basketball in Illinois from Chicago, had a great freshman year where you started every single freaking game, and you transfer to play for a crook at LSU, Will Wade, and now you're going to play for one of the Hurleys, and not the good one, at Arizona State. Okay, fine. Go have fun. But can we just call it what it is? It's kind of stupid. It's a young guy that's not getting guidance. It's a young guy that's just making decisions willy-nilly without much thought behind it. Because this guy's not an NBA player anymore. Not to say he ever would have become that, but he's not an NBA player. He's going to have a pro career somewhere across, over the seas, and whether it's across the Pacific or the Atlantic. But what just kind of saddens me is that, and you could say, well, Carp, is this for you or for him? I don't know. But it is a shame that there is not an appreciation for him of what could have been. I don't think. I don't think at least. It, when you could have been this and then you just make these rash decisions just because you can. And this is what Matt Painter was talking about at Coaches vs. Cancer. And I don't agree with everything you said. Because he's a little more militantly anti-portal than I am. I think the portal is fine. It's just right now really red hot. Now everybody's touching the portal. I think NIL is great and necessary. But right now we're figuring things out. But he made the point that if you made every decision from 18 to 22 years old, like if you were able to do anything you wanted to from 18 to 22, you'd make a lot of dumb decisions. And God knows I can speak to that. So we're seeing this kid. I mean, I I just find it kind of a bummer seeing someone that could have been a great here. And maybe he didn't, maybe he wouldn't have progressed. His his game has totally stagnated, it has plateaued. Maybe he would have done that here. Maybe he would have been like a Richard Keene where he was the really highly touted guy coming in, and he just kind of was, was good. Not great, but he was good. But regardless, what just a, a forgettable college career for a guy that was Mr. Basketball in Illinois and was a star, a freshman star on a really good team, and he would have had a role on this team last year and the year before, and this year coming up as a senior. But he cuts and runs. To LSU? You don't care about basketball at LSU. He got his money. He would have gotten his money here. I don't know. It's just <laughs> to see. Oh, I promise. This is the last time I go in the portal. I'm sorry, baby. It's the last time I'm going to cheat on you. It's. It, I know that's a weak comparison maybe, but it just sounded like, kid, don't make promises you can't keep. If you want to keep, if you want the COVID year and you want to come back, guess what? They'll let you and you will probably put your name in the portal again. He put his name in the portal last year before he returned to LSU. Make up your mind. I mentioned this a few podcasts ago. Do they not have friends? Do they not make friends in school? I know they're busy as hell, but do they not have a life outside of basketball at their school? Do they go to class? This is someone that was tweeting this from Chicago. I swear, like, I'm kind of glad, if, if we're being honest, that we're removing the student athlete kind of mythos. I, I don't really care for that all that much, but like, what do they do? Eat, sleep, and drink basketball. Okay, fine, but kid, you aren't going to the NBA, and you'll play pro somewhere for a little bit. I just these people are fed. These these high highly recruited athletes. So many of them are fed, not wise, but they. I think they really do think they are the greatest. I really do think that Adam Miller thinks he's like an NBA player, and that he's awesome. He he calls himself Ace in the third person, kid. You're going to be a, a 22-year-old senior in your third school in four years. That that's, that's nothing special. What a bummer. I don't know. And that might be a completely misplaced rant, but I had to get that out there because it's just, <laughs> you know, um, it's just lame, I think. Let's bring it back to the guys that are coming to Illinois. Now, Justin Harmon out of Utah Valley State, good size, can fill it up. Really like him as a guard off the bench. Don't anticipate him starting this year. And then also Domask from Southern Illinois. I texted Lon and he said, hey, that's a solid get. And the more I hear about him, the more I like that this is probably a guy that does everything well and doesn't make mistakes. And if we pull our hair out enough last year, of all the players that were just kind of running around like chickens with their heads cut off on the court. Like, what the hell are you doing? Well, there was a lot of that last year. I do think that the two acquisitions so far, and I say acquisitions like they're free agents because they basically are, it's promising to me because it is a case of Brad Underwood identifying need and not necessarily having to get the splashiest guy. I do think the way that he's operating tends to lead us to a fair speculation that Coleman and/or Terrence, despite Terrence announcing last week they're thinking about coming back, and they're taking a wait and see approach. But don't you feel more confident in one of them coming back than none? And don't you think there's a glimmer of hope that both come back? And if you do that, coupled with Domask and Harmon, and now Quincy Gurrier, if I'm saying the last name correct, who's in on a visit right now from Oregon, and it sounds like that's close. Well, then, you're looking at a roster that's got a lot of age and experience and guys that have roles, defined roles. Still got to get that point guard. And I don't know who that may be. Tiger Campbell, everyone keeps throwing that out. That would be amazing, but I know there's a few others out there. And you can go on the message boards and see all the names kind of percolating, but I like this targeted approach that Brad Underwood is taking. I really do. And... Lesson learned, I think that you can piece together a smart, wily veteran group to win a conference title and to make a run in the tournament. And as I looked around at all these teams making runs in the tournament, sure, the athleticism was great and all that, but far and away, these were well pieced together veteran teams. And that is kind of the MO going forward. Yeah, of course, you take an Imani Hansberry, and then of course, you take a Marez Johnson out of high school, but I don't need many high school guys anymore. Why? Let, let the other schools that are smaller than you be, let them be the proving ground. Let them be the minors. I realize this is a negative consequence of the transfer portal, and if you're a fan of a team from the Valley, like a Southern, it kind of sucks, and uh, that's an unfortunate unfortunate consequence of this. But as an Illinois fan, and for selfish reasons, take advantage of it. And they've done that so far with the two names they brought in. And I'm excited to see what they do going forward. But if you get Quincy Guerrier, he's a six foot eight forward. He was about a ten and six guy last year for Oregon. He shoots 34% from three. Very bad free throw shooter. That was a little bit troubling. But he listen, he's got the body type. I, I'm assuming he's a good defender. I think he's someone that could play 20 minutes a game. Are you selling him on necessarily being a star? He has not been a star yet in his career was it Syracuse first and then Oregon? So I guess this is his third school, maybe in four years, not sure though. Uh, But regardless, that would be a a nice get. Nice, not great, but nice. And if you get a point guard and then you get Coleman back, and then if you get Terrence back, then we're talking something. And uh, that would be reason to be excited. And I think a team where you're starting to bring together guys that are hungry. The difference between, let's say, a Quincy Guerrier and a Matthew Meyer is, one, obviously Matthew Meyer was a, hotter commodity. I mean, everybody wanted Matthew Meyer. And you got him. You swung for the fences and you got the, what, second or third biggest target on the board. But with Guerriere, and I hope I'm saying it right, I think it's a French name, bringing him in as someone that has done okay, but still has more to prove. Matthew Meyer didn't really have anything to prove. He wanted to get his, his game on tape a little bit more, show scouts what he could do, especially offensively, not so much defensively. And he did that to an extent this year, but his aim was not to really maximize his game. I mean, he's he was way too damn aloof for us to think that that was what he was really here for. Was to become the best Matthew Meyer he could be. I, I don't know. I think if Quincy Guerriere after being courted by Underwood for this long, and Underwood has been after him for years, right? I mean, out of high school would have been a big get out of high school. And while his career was not going gone quite as well as I'm sure he hoped, um. That hunger of, this is my one last chance, I think that would exist in him more than it would in Matthew Meyer. So we're still building this, right? I like where it's going. I do. I'm not going to say, oh, Damascus is only a Southern Illinois guy. Who cares? There's some good players out of Southern. There were players in the final four this year that transferred from smaller schools. I'll take him. I'll take Justin Harmon, Chicago kid coming back home. I like that too has a bit of an edge to his game. Yeah, I, I love that. And you're piecing together, I think, smart, old players. They can shoot a little bit better. Not great. We still haven't got the Al- Alfonso Plummer on this team yet. But you're inching closer to that, okay, can we shoot 34% from three as a team? If you can, and if you would have done that last year, you wanna, would have want to hell of a lot more games. So can you do that this year? I think you can. And uh, I will give the staff credit. They have avoided DEFCON 1. I don't know what that would have looked like. uh, But losing RJ and losing Epps. And it does suck to lose Epps. you got to get a point guard, and I think they will. Uh, That is not DEFCON 1. That's maybe like DEFCON 3, which means not quite as serious, right? So you can replace that to an extent, and they are sitting here on April 19th with targeted... A targeted approach that I think is serving them well and will serve them well as they finish this roster out. All right, uh, that's all I got today. And we're going to see if news breaks, and we'll try to be here for any news that does break. But um, before we get out of here, want to remind you DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. <clears throat> Excuse me, dpdo.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call at 217 841 4728, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. For Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate them and appreciate you. You can always rate and review us at Apple Podcasts or follow us wherever you get your podcast. And uh, like I said, this is not quite the off-season um, because there's plenty of news, but it comes in bits and spurts. So we are sort of on call and we'll be ready to go when the next big hammer drops. If it is Quincy Guerrier as as many suspect it will be, don't know if we do a separate podcast for him, but I get the feeling that these dominoes are starting to fall, and they're starting to fall rather quickly, and don't you feel like within the next two or three weeks you'll have a pretty good idea where this roster is? Um, I, I have some confidence in that. So in the meantime, if you're going to the f- uh, spring football game, enjoy it. I wish I could be there, but we'll get all the... F- Fun tailgating action when we get back into the fall, and let's just hope Luke Altmaier is slinging it left and right, hitting Pat Bryant for 40-yard dimes, and uh, Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph for the five snaps they play. They look dominant. Listen, it's a good football team. It's a favorable schedule. It's a coaching staff I believe in, and I'm feeling good. I'm going to be so freaking pumped before that two, you know, i'm gonna be really excited to get this thing underway even though we still have what uh four and a half months all right everybody take care we'll see you soon it is the 200 level